Welcome to FMH InsureCast, a podcast created by Farmers Mutual Hale, designed to deliver expertise and insights from trusted FMH team members and industry experts. Each new episode will dive into new products, industry updates, and innovative solutions. Let's get to today's topic. Hello and welcome back to the FMH InsureCast. Ryan Bennis here. We're back with you today because it's that time of year when many farmers are making their crop insurance elections for the year. We'll talk about important updates to be aware of, plus what to consider when it comes to FSA programs, current market and price trends, and other supplemental coverages to make sure your crop insurance is working for you as your best risk management tool. And with me today to uh, discuss this is Ken Ripley. Welcome back to the show, Ken. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Always great to be on here with you. Awesome. So let's jump right in. What's happening right now? Prices are going to get locked in starting tomorrow. It is January 31st. So where are we at right now? And, and what's the landscape look like as we about ready to uh, set those prices? Yeah, it's kind of exciting, a little bit shocking. Corn, you know, last year we had a spring price of $5.90. And right now, December futures, uh, as we go into tomorrow's first day of discovery, we're at 590 again, uh, sitting here today. Uh, and that's been up and down a little bit today as we've been looking at things. But soybeans, we're at that 1360-ish, 65-ish range uh, compared to last year we locked in at uh, $14.33. So a little bit down, but been in some meetings this week. And you know what? Hearing some of the uh, analysts talk, there may be some upside on beans just because of uncertainty in South America. So Looking forward to the next uh, few weeks of price discovery to see where this shakes out. Yeah. And with those prices, Ken, and I know inputs have gone up, but with those prices, I still believe a majority of farmers should be able to cover their costs. And yeah, and you can speak to that better than I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as, as we'll talk more about here in the podcast, but, you know, inputs definitely are up or have been up over compared to last year. But the good news is these prices still are giving good opportunities to make some profits where, uh, as we're hearing, fertilizer is starting to trend down just because of some um, demand uh, backing off on things. But for a lot of producers, we're probably going to see that the inputs have been bought, maybe were bought last fall just for helping offset taxes, uh, expenses, and things like that. So we may have, like in my farm, I've got pretty much everything locked in. So I'm I'm going to go with what I've got, but uh, I'm I'm... No, maybe it's not a several hundred dollar profit opportunity year, but uh, a profit opportunity is always great versus something in the red. Right. It wasn't that long ago, right? Where in 2017, 18, 19, actually, even at the highest levels of 85%, it was a struggle to cover those costs. So right. uh, much better position that we're at right now. And I, I probably buried the lead here a little bit for those that are interested in where premiums are going. But um, as of right now, premiums should be going down. And as you mentioned, Ken, prices are about the same, especially on corn. Beans are off a little bit. But really, we're getting cheaper premiums because our volatility is down as opposed to 2022. So we use volatility factor when it comes to crop insurance that helps determine our premiums. And that volatility factor basically measures the opportunities for price movement between now and when those contracts finish up. Uh, so it's December corn, November beans. So essentially, if you see options prices that are higher, 
then that's when volatility is higher. When the options prices are lower, obviously our volatility is lower. So what it amounts to right now is if we looked at the volatility for corn last year, it was 0.23 for a majority of the, the Midwest. This year it's 0.19. That could be a 20% savings in your premium with the same coverage as you had last year. Soybeans went from 0.19 last year, currently tracking at 0.15. They're again about that same ballpark, around a 20% savings. Those are not finished by any means. And lots can happen with those volatility factors in the next three weeks here. It's the last five days of February that we look at those volatility numbers. Those can increase or decrease from here, but just the way things have been going, I, I feel like we might cruise right through the end of the month with volatility at about the same uh, number, which means a positive for, for most farmers out there. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's exciting to see we're, we're staying in these calmer markets, but let's hope that February doesn't. Uh, <laughs> There's always a black swan around the corner, right? Ken? Exactly. Exactly. Right. So that's, that's some good news as far as premiums. Prices are still pretty good. We have a few topics here, though, that we want to remind you of and, and basically give you updates on as well. So we have some quick hitter bullet points here that uh, if you aren't able to go to a meeting that your agent is putting on, that uh, you, you want to be aware of before you have that visit with your agent. I'll let you start here, Ken. This is more of a reminder than anything else, but if you do your best to explain the first bullet point here about Prevent Plant. Just for the listeners, you know, I live up in Minnesota and we've had uh, a lot of snow. Um, There's several areas of my region, the Northwest region, that have gotten more snow than normal, which we're excited about because we need the moisture. But we just want to, and as we were reminding agents at their update meetings, now crop insurance here uh, last year, maybe it was the year before, we created the opportunity to have you record prevent plant based on your intention for the crop to plant in that field. So let's say you intended to plant corn and you didn't get corn in, but later after the final plant data corn, you had an opportunity to plant soybeans, so you planted beans, you have a different crop in that field. Don't forget that we have two 2020 rules. So to qualify for prevent plant, you always need 20 acres or 20% of the unit to qualify for prevent plant. But if there's ever a field that has a prevent plant crop in it, that is different than the planted crop, you have to also make a 20, 20, 20 acres or 20% of the field qualifier to have it be a different crop than what's planted. And that, that did catch us in a few cases this last year with that being something new. So we just want a reminder to, you know, as producers, if they do have bad planting conditions and can't get everything planted, just don't forget about the 2020 rule and remember that there's, there's actually two of them and not just one from a from a qualifying for for poor prevent plant. Oh, you did you did a great job with that, Ken. I gave you the tough one on this list here. Yeah, <laughs> I right did. Out the gate. I know, I know. Um, but to put it in into an example, this would be a situation if I had several areas of prevent plant, but in a particular field, maybe a 160 acre field, 145 acres of beans. I can't declare the remaining 15 acres as prevent plant corn because it doesn't meet the field 2020 rule. Correct. So that's really what we're talking about here. Yeah. And again, it only pertains if it's a different prevent plant crop than the planted crop. If you claim that as prevent plant beans and you had other beans to give us 
say you had an enterprise unit and you had another five acres in another field, now we have 20 acres for the county for an enterprise qualifier, you could, but you have to meet the field rule if it's a crop other than the one you planted, or if you have, you have to have two crop history in that field um, as well. So lots of nuances. The point to take away is just before you say you're done planting, make sure you talk with your agent and, and make sure you understand all the rules. And we don't want, we sure, surely hate denying prevent plant claims over some uh, technicalities like this with the rules. Right, right. All right, I'll take the next few of these, Ken. <laughs> A little easier. The next thing we had here was planting dates. On both corn and beans, beans more than corn, we had across most of the corn belt a backing up of the early plant date for beans. So depending on where you are, that date backed up anywhere between a day and up to 11 days. So for instance, in the state of Iowa, the early plant date for beans was April 21st, and it moved back to April 10th uh, for most of the state. So there's different dates for each location of each state and in, even within a state there's different dates depending on north to south typically so just check on those especially if you think you're in position to plant uh, beans early remember if you plant before those early plant dates you don't lose coverage you just lose replant coverage but still those dates are important to know high-risk land this is an easy one but it's definitely a huge impact if it's hurting you uh, RMA went and re-rated a lot of land, and in especially, I know Nebraska, Iowa, parts of Missouri and Arkansas, there was an expansion of the high-risk land. So this is land that goes into a different rating category, and uh, essentially it costs a lot more to purchase insurance on those particular pieces of ground. So if you have some ground that was previously not high-risk ground, and now it's moving into high-risk ground, you're gonna see your premiums jump significantly for those situations. If you're in most, I think all three of those states and several others, you do have an option to utilize a policy called HRACE. And without getting into too many details, I think that we'll probably just leave it at that. But if you feel like you're in a position where you've got high-risk land and you previously did not, check out HRACE. Pace expansion. We did a whole podcast on pace last spring, didn't we, Ken? That's right. Yeah. Yes. And pace, uh, I would probably refer you back to that podcast. But again, as a high level, pace stands for post application coverage endorsement. And it's supposed to catch growers that were doing a split application of nitrogen and were fearful that they couldn't get their second application down due to an insurable cause, which is typically going to be. Excess moisture. Excess moisture. Right. Uh, so they expanded the areas in which PACE was available. So last year it was very spotty where they had it available. I think they were trying to test it out. They expanded PACE for 2023 across most of the Midwest. The big ones, like say Minnesota, yeah. Wisconsin, now it's all of Iowa and, in, and Illinois are really with the expansion states. Mm -hmm. But uh, probably wasn't a very popular product in 2022. I re really don't see it being probably just because we have high prices on corn mm -hmm. producers like myself, we're going to get the nitrogen on. So yeah. that's one of the reasons it wasn't very popular. Things may change if we're at $3 corn versus $6 corn. Right. Right. 
Nope. I'm with you, Ken. The, one of the angles that I would look at this with a grower though, is maybe it's not the grower that's already split applying, but they haven't tried it yet. And maybe they just want to try it on a field or something. Yeah. Pace is a great way to, to mitigate that risk of trying it for the first time. Yeah. Cause just add one other final thing to that too. Pace, unlike most other products can be bought just on a unit level or a field level versus all acres of the crop in the county. So it does give you a, so yeah, good point. If you're doing something new for the first time this year, a split application, maybe something to look at, but for the folks that are doing it historically, it's probably not, not a high selling tool the way it looks at this point. Yep. Yep. And then lastly, on the quick hitters here, double cropping, double cropping expansion, really. Um, so that would be fall wheat crop that's followed either by soybeans or grain sorghum, depending on which part of the country you're in. The areas in which that became an insurable practice has expanded. And there are different types of what they call written agreements that help get that coverage into place. So again, there's too many different areas and too many different nuances to go deep dive on this. But if you feel like you're in position to do some double cropping and you haven't in the past, or you've done it in the past and you, you haven't been able to insure it because it wasn't insurable, check that again, because it might be available now in 2023. Okay. Ken, anything to add to our MPCI updates before we switch gears here? Yeah, not. I think the only additional one, again, is kind of a new thing would be relay cropping. Um, I know that's a fairly new practice. Kind of going back to what, what you said, Ryan, about double cropping, that's something you're looking to do. This is typically a, a rye or wheat or something with soybeans, kind of a package. If that's something you're doing, definitely reach out to your agents because there is some insurability there. But to, in many areas, you have to have had some uh, history on that, especially in my region. Maybe in the east, it's not uh, it's not requiring three years of history to to start that type of practice. But that's the only other thing I could say was really kind of new for 23. So a light year, which is actually kind of exciting. <laughs> that is nice. That is nice. Uh, but of course, if we don't have RMA rule changes, we have FSA programs, don't we, Ken? Yes. Yes. Always have the FSA programs. So we're going to start by just highlighting where the ERP program is. And then there was a new program that was announced called PARP. That's the Pandemic Assistance Revenue Program. I probably got that right. Nope, I got it right. Okay, perfect. Um, and then we'll swing back around uh, and talk about ARC and PLC. But let's start with the ERP programs. First of all, ERP Phase 1 is done. It got paid in two parts, actually, the Phase 1 did. First, to those that had uh, no county endorsements, like margin protection, ECO, SEO. Those were paid up front. And then the second part of phase one was paid after the growers that were eligible uh, were paid from ECO, SCO, margin, that type of thing. And then we knew that there was going to be an ERP phase two, which at the beginning we understood to be anybody who fell below their ERP level, but didn't get included in phase one. And usually if you were in phase one, you already had a multi-parallel loss. Right. Phase two is not that at all. <laughs> they pulled a big switcheroo on us. And without trying to get too deep in the weeds, essentially phase two says your revenues in 20 or 21 
2020 or 21, your farm revenues had to be 70% or lower than your best year between 18 and 19. Okay. So your revenue has to be 70% or less of what your best revenue was in 18 or 19. For our row croppers in the Midwest, that's going to be close to impossible. Uh, your revenues have increased in 20 and 21 unless you were unless you had a significant disaster in one of those two years. And if you did, you probably already got paid from ERP phase one. So ERP phase two for the row croppers in the Midwest, I don't see there being much of a chance of a payment. That PARP program is the exact same rules, only it has an 80% trigger and it only applies to the 2020 crop year. So there again, it's in the same boat where those row croppers are just, the prices went up too quickly from 2021 to 22 so that our revenues in those years are going to be hard to fall below the revenues from 18 and 19. Right. So anything to add as, as you hear that, Ken? Yeah, just kind of a little bit on phase two there and, and, and the purpose. Just remember that these are using your Schedule F, so this is nothing that your crop insurance agent can help you with. All this is basically stuff you're working with your CPA on and providing that uh, Schedule F data to in the form you have to fill out from FSA um, to the FSA office for these claims. So way different rules. And, and like you said correctly, a switcheroo, way different than we expected it to come out. So not going to hit near the, near the clientele that we thought it would. Right. The only other bit of info there that we have is it does appear that there is a ERP program in the works for 2022, but we don't have the details on that yet. It will be interesting from my perspective to see if they carry on with this revenue-based approach or if they continue to use crop insurance data. Uh, the crop insurance data makes it really easy for FSA to employ the program. The revenue piece makes it a little bit more work intensive on the farmer's behalf to go and uh, capture yeah. that, capture those dollars. So, especially since it, from what I read, and I, there could be changes that I haven't seen, it didn't look like they were doing accrual accounting. So, uh, the majority of farmers being cash accounting and deferring grain from one year to the next, it makes it uh, going to make it very interesting to put it to say the least. <laughs> right. Okay, Ken, we get to talk about exciting stuff here now. We're trying to keep things moving. Supplemental insurance coverages. So that would be ECO, Enhanced Coverage Option, or SCO, Supplemental Coverage Option. Both of those are add-on products to your underlying RP policy, right? Or your YP policy, depending on what kind of crop you have out there. Ken, I'll just let you kind of roll here. Give me your thoughts on ECO to start with. And then I know we talked about this in the fall and comparing margin and ECO. So let's just do a quick review of that, but give me your thoughts on ECO first. Yeah. So some of the nice things, just looking, and I'm going to speak maybe closer to the county I'm in here in Fairbolt, Minnesota. One of the things that's nice is our expected county yields had another increase. So like my county on corn went from 204.9 up to 211 bushel corn. So our, as you think about ECO, they're, they're county-based plans and they use this expected county yield, which you got to think about as being your APH for the county. 
with those numbers getting up to like that 211 on corn, that's a very nice APH for the county. So I think we there's definitely more value. The big thing that we had to keep our eyes on, especially uh, in February here, we talked about before, is the volatility factor. If that stays where we're at, ECO becomes a very uh, different product for us in 23 than it was in 22 because the volatility got so high, it really made these, these add-on products um, endorsements get pretty pricey. A 0.19 volatility really changes that the outlook on on ECO. So I'm excited about it. I think it provides opportunity to get a 95% trigger and you can leave a gap. So let's say you don't buy an 85% multi-parallel policy, you're allowed to have a gap between your regular revenue policy and your ECO policy. So having a 95 trigger and maybe you buy down to 86 and then you buy a 80% uh, policy Gives you a really nice high trigger, especially if you're if you're concerned about prices. A great way to get a subsidized you know, put for your for your your farm's uh, uh, price protection. Yeah, no, those are all great points, Ken. And I know immediately the pushback on ECO is always premium and and the fact that it's based off the county. But what you mentioned there and talking about where prices are today with the possibility of them falling between now and October, you know, if we have $5 corn in October, you know, it still doesn't sound bad to us, but that's a 20% drop in our price right now, uh, right. or almost 20%. So that's the kind of drop in the price that would pretty much trigger ECO across the country. That's the power of having that top end coverage. So one other side note here, because in the fall, we would have talked about margin protection, which is also 95% area-based coverage. Margin does have, though, the added protection against your input costs going up. Unfortunately, margin protection also calculates when input costs are going down. And right now, since September, when we set those input costs, your raw input costs, not the ones that you buy from the retailer, but your raw input costs that we measure through margin protection are down significantly. Not quite as much as they were up in 21, but they're down uh, quite a bit in 23 so far. So we won't actually lock those secondary input costs in until April, but where things are tracking right now, ECO has been, is at least at this point, the better choice between these two, but that's hindsight is 2020, right, Ken? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're... You're right. That's one of the benefits we got in 22 is those inputs went up from the September to the April price discovery and moved like in our county, $103 an acre increase in expense, which moved your yield trigger up. We're, I don't know the exact numbers, but we're, we're trending the other way. So now we're, now we're having to have a much lower yield to trigger with the margin. So right. you like it one year and you, you hate it the other. So it's a, <laughs> right. uh, where to see it go. And at the time, margin looked very attractive with the, the spring price. Um, six, uh, was it 605? Six, 611. 611 was our mm -hmm. our fall price or our spring price for margin. You know, we're trading about 590, 590-ish right now for uh, ECO. And uh, so that's, and we're not far apart there. So I think uh, ECO is definitely going to have a, a very good uh, uh, look to it this this month. Yep, exactly. And just to put a capper on that, that price difference, 611 on margin, 
versus let's say ECO finishes at 590 or a spring price at 590. That difference in the price is in favor of margin, but the input costs have fallen so much that it's completely wiped out that advantage and more. And so right now, if you just look at them side by side, ECO is the better of the two choices, but we don't get to make that choice now. We had to make it in September. So we're not saying if you picked margin, it was the wrong choice, but that's always a question that we get as what was the better of the two. And right now it looks like ECO. Okay, so ECO is uh, is the child of SCO, okay? We've had SCO for a long time. Uh, SCO is supplemental coverage option, and it's pretty simple. It takes you from whatever level you're at up to 86%. But the best part about SCO is that it's subsidized at 65%. So it's extremely reasonable coverage uh, in terms of the premium versus the value that you're getting. Um, thoughts on SCO, Ken? So I've talked more about SCO this year than I have in all the prior year, just because there's so much excitement around it, especially if you're in areas where your multi-parallel is a, the rates are a little higher. The ability to go from a 70, let's say multi-parallel level to SCO's 86% trigger, very affordable way to get some of that higher trigger points. Um, and having said that, we talked about a little bit ago about ERP. Um, one thing to keep in mind with, we don't know what they're going to do at FSA with, with ERP for 2022, but let's say they go back to a phase one type of approach. Having an 86% trigger to trigger loss versus a 70% trigger to trigger loss is a big difference. Um, so something to consider as well. So if you're not buying an 80 or 85 or excuse me, an 85% policy today, I would really, really take a strong look at buying the SEO or putting an SEO on top of your multi-parallel. But there is one catch. You have to be enrolled with program crops. You have to be enrolled in PLC at the FSA office to make that election. Yes. But there's a there's a good and there's a bad with that. The good is, I shouldn't say there's a bad. There's a bad you have to make a different choice at FSA. Let's say that's the bad. <laughs> the good is, Let's say, okay, I don't want to put all, let's say in my, in my farm, I've got 10 farm show numbers. I don't have to put all 10 of those into PLC. If I want to just only go halfway and put half of my acres, let's say I got to split evil equally between my farm numbers, I could only put five of my farm numbers in PLC. So then only those five farm numbers and the acres that are associated with them are eligible for SCO. So it gives us flexibility that we don't have in any other crop insurance uh, products out there from a, from a revenue standpoint. Yeah. No, I love that, Ken. Ultimately, SCO, same boat as ECO is that it's an area-based plan, but the value versus the premium, or excuse me, the, the liability that you're getting uh, at the level that you're getting versus the premium you have to pay, it's an extremely good deal. That said, that area piece is still a big hurdle for some. And they maybe can even see the value of how well these products are subsidized, but they just don't want any coverage based off the county. Do we have a solution for them? Yes, we do. Actually, we've got FMH, we've got two products. We've got one called ECO Plus, and then the other one is called SEO Plus. And essentially, they take us from an area-based only trigger to an individual optional unit trigger for those producers. So um, the only difference between the coverages is on the plus products, we do cap you at 90% of the spring price is the highest you can get for liability. 
But again, it's optional units on top of whatever your multi-parallel level is from, uh, if it's ECO, it's matching, but if it's SCO, it's from your multi-parallel uh, up to that 86% trigger. So you can have both. You can't get paid from both as far as both don't pay full out. You're going to get the greater of the two payments, ECO or SCO paying first. And then anything that your individual loss was greater than the county loss, you'd get then from the plus endorsement. So very exciting products. The unfortunate is that we have unlimited, we don't have unlimited availability of those products. So if that is something of interest, you need to talk to your agents early because we will sell out of these endorsements. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Just to give you a quick example, I am especially excited about SCO Plus. And so I'm going to quick paint an example here. And let's just say, Ken, you take your 85% EU policy on corn. Um, and you can have that. I'll let you have it, Ken. <laughs> um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a 75% level policy. And I'm going to buy SCO. And then I'm going to buy SCO plus. So I have an individual layer of coverage there. And so as far as you versus me, uh, we both have around 85% coverage. I have 86, you have 85. We both have individual coverage all the way up to that level because I bought this plus product. Yep. I, however, I have optional units from 75 to 86. You just have enterprise units. Yep. But as you know, Ken, when we total up the premiums between the two, we're going to pay about the same, right. right? So if that appeals to you as a grower, as an agent, where I can grab some optional unit coverage on the top end and not spend much more than I'm spending on an 85% policy, maybe even spend a little less, take a look at SCO plus. Yeah. So yeah. that leads us into ARC versus PLC with SCO in the mix. That's a lot of acronyms. Help us sort this out, Ken. Yeah. So again, we're kind of blending two worlds here. So at the FSA office, producers, like we do for the last, have done for the last several years, we get that opportunity to choose either ARC, which is a county-based policy, or PLC, so the price loss coverage, which is a, a price protection tool at FSA. If you choose PLC, that opens you up to get SCO or supplemental coverage option through RMA and the crop insurance side of things. If you choose ARC, your only option going forward then is to put ECO or the enhanced coverage option because it's above the 86 because both SCO and County ARC have an 86% trigger point. So since we're talking about FSA programs here and RMA crop insurance programs, the differences again are County ARC is the program that you're signing for. So farmers have not from now till March 15th to make our elections like we have for the past several years. If they want to choose by crop, by farm number to be either be in County ARC or into PLC. So to, to get the SCO or the supplemental coverage option that we were talking about earlier, you need to be enrolled in PLC. Now, PLC is not going to pay at the FSA office because we have a, a 370 floor on corn and 840 floor on beans before anything would pay out. So we're not saying sign up for that because it's going to work. It's never going to pay this year um, because our prices are like double what double or close to double what those numbers are. But by doing that, it gives us the opportunity for SCO compared to County Arc. And here's here's really what I wanted to talk about is so County Arc and SCO both use the exact same 
yields. They're all RMA data. So whatever crop insurance yields are reported by all the producers with all the companies, that is the, the true final year yield of the county. The big difference between the two is the starting spring price. So for crop insurance, we're going to discover prices here in the month of February. Right now, we're like we talked before, we're thinking 590 is our starting point roughly on corn and 1365 roughly on soybeans. Compare that to FSA. They use an Olympic five-year price discovery. They take out the high year, the low year, and they average the middle three. So for corn, that equates to $3.98 a bushel. For soybeans, that's uh, $9.57 a bushel. So if we just do that math, because they're both using about the same you know, expected county yield versus FSA's um, Olympic yields. Like in my county, they're one bushel different. We're having... 50 bushel differences. My my county's trigger yield differences between SEO is about $185, 185 bushels to the acre on SEO versus county ARC at 123 bushels to the acre. So it's a major difference on the trigger point of these 86% policies. 100%. One thing I'd remind people, they're like 398. That seems so low. Well, it is low. And also there's a lag year in here, so we don't count last year uh, because technically we're still in the 22 marketing year. So these were the prices from 17 through 21, take out the high, take out the low. Those prices, 398 on corn, 957 on beans, those will not change. Those are the prices that we will use to establish your county revenue. So in, let's just say Dallas County, Iowa, where I'm sitting right now, the expected county yield might be around 200 bushels. I have to take 200 times 86% times 398, and my county revenue has to be below that number. That's somewhere around $700, $750 of revenue for the county. I have to have one heck of a yield loss or prices have to crash. But right now, as it sits, it looks like about a 60% county plan is what our county is. They both say 86%, right? Art County. SCO, they both say 86, but in this case, SCO is worth a heck of a lot more to the farmer than, than our county is. And if we ever get in a position where we would have an ARC county payment, SCO has long paid already. Right. Um, and it pays earlier than our county does yep. as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get yields that are discovered in June. So payments are probably coming out in July. And the um, FSA programs are not paying till November at the soonest. So, Definitely win-win for SEO there. Awesome, Ken. I'll give you a second to think about any last thoughts here, but just going to quickly recap what we've got here. First of all, prices are coming in for 2023, very similar as they were last year. The good news is volatility has fallen a little bit. So as it stands right now, you could see premiums reduced by up to 20, 25%. It's probably going to be a little lower than that. I have a feeling this volatility will creep up a notch before we get to the end of February. A few other hitters, high-risk land expansion, the backing up of those early plant dates, pace expansion, double cropping. We talked about ERP phase two and the PARP or PARP program. Again, those programs unlikely to help producers who weren't a part of ERP in phase one. and then. We talked about ECO, SCO, and the differences, particularly between SCO and ARC County. Ken, any final thoughts for us before we uh, before we send them off? 
<laughs> with six weeks to go before yeah. 315. Exactly. Yeah. So the one thing I've had the opportunity to be traveling all over the Northwest region here in the last few months, and the number one thing I hear from growers is concern about what are the prices going to do this year. So we get through February with a really nice price discovery point. I think the meeting I was at yesterday, one of the comments was this, we're going to have this crop every year that this crop gets killed before it's ever makes it to to harvest. There's going to be some market uh, retail, some Cash sale opportunities for us, take take advantage of them. We have a chance to make another, have another good profitable year for producers. Buy that insurance that helps you feel comfortable with making those forward cash sales. And let's uh, turn 2023 into another profitable year for our producers. No, excellent. My last two cents will just be when you're sitting down with your agent or when the agent's sitting down with a farmer, focus first on just making sure that we have enough coverage to get over those input costs. That's step one. Step two is how much profit do you want to secure right now? I think that for most growers, there's gonna be opportunities, even when you factor in the cost of the premium, to lock in higher levels of coverage well above their input costs. So now we're not just guaranteeing them that they'll break even, but now we can actually guarantee you know, 50 or $100 a profit per acre or more, depending on where you're at and what crops you're growing. So if you're just buying up to break even, you're, you're going to leave some coverage on the table. And so I just want to make sure growers understand that they obviously can lock in some of those profits as well. Ken, thank you again for joining the FMH InsureCast. Really appreciate you on here and your insights. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and subscribe on your podcast app. And thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to FMH InsureCast. We appreciate you joining us today and would like to hear from you. If you have questions about today's topic or an idea to share for an upcoming podcast, you can contact us at fmhpodcast at fmh.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for information purposes only. See policy provisions, terms, and conditions for details. Products underwritten by Farmers Mutual Hail Insurance Company of Iowa and its affiliates, West Des Moines, Iowa. Farmers Mutual Hail is an equal opportunity provider.